and welcome fellow travelers to the unbroken ground so glad you're joining again or for the first time or how many ever times it makes it uh always excited that uh, you've taken a moment to uh, pause and listen uh, as i uh, talk a lot about jesus and uh the things that i think about uh, my name is paul and uh, i always talk here on the unbroken ground and so yeah we're on to episode 27 um no episode 28 um already to 28 more than halfway there uh, on a year of episodes uh and this one's going to be called are you positive and i'm still going to be talking a lot about unity and uniformity and and uh, what that looks like but uh yeah and, and then mixing in a few things from uh what god's been teaching me this week what, what he's been showing me. So hope that you enjoy that. Uh, if you do have any questions, suggestions, or thoughts, uh, as always, you can email theunbrokenground at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook, for, Facebook forward slash the unbroken ground um, or Instagram, the unbroken ground. So all of those places um, you can find if you have questions, comments, reflections. Um, I'm doing this on some new equipment. Uh, so we'll see how the sound goes and uh, if we work out all the, the details around like that, uh, hopefully this sound great and uh, hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy. So yeah, let's jump in. So I'm thinking about uniformity and unity and, and um, just last week even just talking about the idea of how we decide who is in and who is out and how we've kind of made that into a litmus test on the church of like who gets to stay or who gets to say. Um, I, I've just, I've, I've just continued to think about it and think about how um, destructive that can be, uh, how um, it puts us into a place where we begin to have to choose whether we are going to have relationships with re that that have redemption um, or are we going to have to think about um, what uh, what the, what our relationships say about ourselves or what what people might think about our relationships um, because of um, the, the other people that are that we are, are around that we're spending time around and and I think that um, it's one of those tensions that Jesus himself dealt with um, that he he said uh, you know that John the Baptist came and they you, you know you thought he was crazy uh, because he was uh, living in the desert and eating locusts and he didn't go he didn't hang around the the cool people and good didn't go to parties and then then Jesus comes and he goes to parties and hangs out at the at the people's houses and they call him a drunkard and he's like it's you you're so unsatisfied um neither one works um and and on top of that though you you actually see all throughout the gospels Jesus's ability to uh be at um people's houses that normally uh the the religious the righteous would not be at, and yet he's there. And not only is he is he there, but oftentimes what happens is that because he's there, um, there's a redemption that occurs. There is um, salvation that happens. And so because he he is there in, in amongst these this, these people, um, 
they are called to a to a higher purpose and so they're just his presence just the things that he says um they you know they uh it, it says uh, in the gospels that one of the one of the complaints against him is that the sinners do um like to hang out with him they do want to be near him they do want to to uh, be around him and um the pharisees are you know very very taken back by this because they uh pride themselves on on being righteous and being and keeping themselves clean and keeping themselves away from from the the, the poor influence or the bad influences of the people who don't keep the law perfectly um, and and they're they they practice that uniformity they, they're like if you're not gonna if you're not gonna keep the law then you're out you you don't get to be a part and so when Jesus comes onto the scene when he's when he's doing his ministry the people that he picks a lot of times were the people that were out. They were the people that that the 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 religious had said, "You're no longer part of us. You're you you don't belong with us because of um, your uh, you didn't make it." Uh, so a lot of times, like they they weren't Pharisees because they didn't make it. They um, they learned some things, but but in the Jewish school tradition, they because they weren't able to uh, memorize enough scripture or quickly enough, they they were passed on to other trades. So they were fish. And then, uh, and then, so you have that. You kind of have those that just failed um, in in finding a rabbi because they um, either they, did, they didn't excel or they uh, did did things wrong or just weren't. Um, I mean, I- any of those things uh, could disqualify them, put them on the outside. So there's part of that. But then also, I mean, he brings in tax collectors uh, and zealots and all these people that were uh, outside the realm uh, of of what the Pharisees would have thought were was the kingdom of heaven and 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 he makes this this bro, bro this <laughs> makes this um bold proclamation uh that that the kingdom is for all people and and you see that happen again and again and and as he's dealing with people um he is able to hold the two sides so well together um he's able to say your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And without without people without people feeling judged, without people feeling, I mean, people were rejoicing um, to know that that their sins had been for, forgiven and that they had re, a renewed relationship with God, and that that Jesus was able to bring that about and talk about that. Um, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things uh, when I think about Christianity today, and I think about. Um, what the state of the church and and what we do, I think one of the hardest things is the fact that we have a hard time holding both of those um, parts of the relationship, the your sins are forgiven and the go and sin no more together and well in such a way that people, um, that we still are attractive to people. Um, And that's what Jesus did so well. He, he, um, his teaching um, intrigued and brought people, and they wanted to know more, and they wanted to hear more. Um, they and and so they welcomed the things that he said. Um, but uh, that that's not always true for the church today, or for the way that we teach. And and so um, we struggle with that. We struggle with that. And I think that part of it is again is this idea that. As we think about, as we, as we, as we di- dig deeper into the the Western mindset, 
um, that we've that we've established that we've been living in this culture that we live in um, this this uh, structure how we structure our thoughts and remember that um, the way that we structure our thoughts is built upon uh, a culture it's built upon other um, ideas it's built upon certain ideas a lot of Platoism like a lot of um, Aristotle like going back to what they said um, was how the world worked um, and and it's interesting that that um, it's so ingrained in us that we don't even um, think about the idea that there might be a broader um, understanding than Platoism um, even though a lot of it like uh, this this so so one of the final iterations that come out of things like Aristotle and, and Plato is that the 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 most um, the highest state that you can get is into a refined intellect um, and and where you could get into a uh, an emotionless state um, where knowledge is what where knowledge determines what is true, what is right, and what you should do. Um, and so a lot of the Western world has has um, basically grabbed onto that, that knowledge and reason and um, being able to to think about things um, mentally and and put everything together without uh, accessing having to access all these emotions or um even thinking about your your feelings or the 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 fears and the things that that drive you that are underlying that even drive you to make decisions you, th you even when you make a rational decision you don't necessarily even know why you make that decision and so you you paint it um as best you can as a rational thought uh, it's because I, it's because i have good thinking um and What's what's so um, hard for us to then understand is that uh, much of the Bible is not written in that way. Uh, much of the Bible was written by a culture that did not um, have uh, the, the ideas of Plato. Um, rather, it was a, a very Eastern mindset. Um, and if you go back to the Old Testament, you begin to see some of those things. You see things like God never changes. And yet you see, like if you read in Genesis, it says that uh, before the flood that God saw the people and, and he... Um, was greatly distressed and decided that he was sad to have made people. Um, like, uh, again, there is this idea, and, and they would say, yeah, no, God God never changes. Um, but yes, also God is... Um, uh, yes, he he's able to to be uh, moved um, in such a way as as he was in Genesis with a flood, um, and hold those two things together. And so, for like a rational mindset, which says that is it's this logic that's like if A is true, then B is true, um, then C can't be true. Um, and so, in the idea of like either God is unchangeable, unmovable, or He is. Um, changeable or movable and and for a western mind we're like then that doesn't compute because it has to be either or and and for the eastern mindset a lot of times they they focus in and they say it's it's both end um and we just don't think that way we just we're not taught to think that way we're just not we we don't see um the higher values and arguments when things are um something that is a, a mixture of the two things uh, and so I think that that is why um, 
I think, uniformity, uh, this idea of deciding who was in and who was out and breaking it down to some basic issues has caused a, a lot of issues for the church. Um, and that we've let culture a lot of times and not Christian um, doctrine determine that, uh, that we have, that we have focused a lot of times on uh, a cultural war, um, and not, um, allowed, uh, God to, to really direct, um, and determine the things that we say, um, who was with us and who was out and who was against us. Um, and, and I think that, that because we've done that, um, we've lost a lot of, um, uh, just a lot of credibility in, in the world, uh, because we have, um, we've done that. We've kicked, we've, we've cited who's in and who's out. And then we've arrogantly said that we've, we simply know all things and we are right and you're wrong. And there's nothing more to say on this. Goodbye. Um, I was, I was just talking to a friend the other day, um, who was telling me about, uh, some friends of his whose whose kid is going through some uh, really tough struggles in life and trying to figure out and culture is is telling them one thing and and um, and and they're buying into that uh, they're 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 seeing um, the truth and value in that um, or seeing it as true even if it's not true and um, the in in some ways the in this family the mom's kind of falling away from from uh, the the teachings of Christ and and the dad uh, is 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 trying to follow Christ but also lead his family and um, honestly just doesn't I think is just caught in the middle of this struggle and um, there is this this question of can we, can I still socially hang out with his family? Because it's something they had done in the past and, and, uh, something they enjoyed. Um, they enjoyed being with his family, but now you, you introduce this new dynamic and there's, there's tension. There is, um, kind of the idea that they believe one way and, and, uh, my friend believes the other way. And, and so there's no, um, moving, uh, uh to, to, um, be able to really, it, it's the point, um, in some ways the point would be like, well, if I was going to spend time with them was so that I could help them see the truth and, and that they would change. Um, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, um, and then it, the point was, I don't want my presence to seem like acceptance. Um, I don't want them to see my presence as acceptance of their, um, their sin, of their lifestyle, of their choices. Um, and, and part of that, I think, is because um, of uniformity where we say either in or out. And so if I, if I go uh, and spend time with these people, um, there's a fear about what that will mean or what other people will think other Christians will think of me um, if they know that that I am close to somebody 
I mean, from my, 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 I, I've talked about this a little bit, probably more, but uh, growing up, um, I, I grew up in the South. I grew up where, um, in a, in a family that didn't drink. Um, I grew up in a church that was like, yeah, drinking really any alcohol at all, um, really puts you at, in trouble, um, and really puts you very close to being like, maybe you're not lost, but, um, it's, it's how could you even follow Jesus, um, kind of level. Um, those people were out anybody that would drink alcohol. And, and I was just so, um, I was militant about it. Um, that's what I was taught. That's what I believed. Um, and, and that's how I lived my life, uh, until I was 22. And when I was 22, um, I began, um, I think, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but I, I had a friend that, um, before I was 22, probably 21 or so, um, who was like, I would go share the gospel in the, in a bar. And I was like, you've just ruined your witness just by, just by stepping foot into that bar. You're out. That was the unit. That was the uniformity, right? You're out. You ruined your witness to that. Um, and, and then I started to meet, um, some amazing Christians who drink wine. And I was like, well, great. I've got to recalibrate the things that I knew, the things that I knew were true, that I was, that I was sure was true, that I was using as my litmus test. You're in, you're out. Um, and, and I was like, well, what do I do with this? And so I, I did, I had a, I had a moment, um, where I, um, in my life, um, where, I needed to decide and had to decide what I was going to do with this new information, this new data point. That's like, okay, um, what, what is, what is going on? Like I, I've, my whole life I've lived in a certain way and now, now I am receiving, um, data back that says that that's not the only way to live. And so I had to decide what to do with that. And, uh, and I'm very different now, <laughs> very different now. Um, and so what I, what I think, and that's what I think is so dangerous about the, the, the in or out, the uniformity and the, not the unity, is that um, we, we do that with salvation. Like growing up that we would um, consider um, like, oh, if you're not a part of my church, then it's pretty questionable whether or not you know Jesus at all. If you, if you do anything different, we don't, we just, it's hard to say. Um, and, uh, that has led to, I think, just the lack of, um, a unity amongst the body of, of believers, people that love God and, and yet, yet we still can't love each other, um, because we differ a little bit in some different places. And obviously there has to be guardrails. Um, there has to be, um, so kind of when you talk about like kind of, kind of the way that, that when I was going to seminary, one of the things we learned, and I think it's very really a good idea is like, there's these rings and one of the rings are like, here's the things the, the, the smallest ring are, is the things that we can't disagree on. Um, and I consider those things like Jesus Christ is the only way, um, Jesus Christ is the son of God. Um, uh, he's the salvation through him only by faith, uh, no works. Um, th those are the general things. Um, there's probably more, I'm just going off the top of my head, not trying to give a full statement here, but then out, that's the, the center ring. And then, then out of that ring, there are some other things that we can agree to disagree on. Um, things like soteriology, which means the, the end of the, uh, our eschatology, sorry, not so, so soteriology, salvation. 
we agree about that. But things about eschatology, like what happens at the end in uh, at the end of the world, uh, we we can agree to disagree on some of those things because they're not they're not dealing with salvation. Um, I can still be unified with you, but not uniform with you. And then and then there's even further things out where it's like. Um, we don't even have to talk about those things because they don't, they don't, they're not important enough to, to argue about. So, um, when you have those things, then, um, what happens is when we make the, the things that are on the outside of the circle more important than the things that are inside of the circle is that we, that we live a life of uniformity and not unity and uniformity always, uh, separates and divides. And, um, and so that's where you see, um, this very, very stark divisions. And I'm going to get back to my friend here in a moment with, with the other situation. And, and, but just, you got to stick with me a little bit. Um, so, um, and so we begin to say, and it becomes like, um, very much the, are you in my group? Can you be in fellowship with me? And if not, you're out. Uh, and so people begin to just, um, Really, uh, they begin to believe and think things that are super important that are not as important. And they begin to have, and that's where I think you, you've got um, many things about in the culture war, um, political, um, all those things that, that are not going to be, like when you get to heaven, um, Jesus is, is going to say, how, he's not going to be like, hey, tell me about how you voted. Um, he's going to be about, tell me about how you lived. What did you do? What did you do in my name? Um, and um, and I think those are like that. Like that lens is a better lens than do you believe the right things that I believe? Um, do you hate the right people that I hate? Um, I mean, because that's sometimes really what it comes down to is like we don't like those people. Let's all be together as a group. And you're like, ah. So. This week, um, I've been thinking through how to talk to people. I, I'm, in my job, I um, I work with people. I coach people to be better at their job. And uh, one of the things I, I work through is when they make a mistake, I get to uh, the, I get a report that shows what they've done, and and I have to uh, figure out what to do with that. Um, and one of the things um, that I always because I uh, used to be the people that got their name put on that report. Um, so I always hated it. Uh, but one of the things that I really, I heard and I started to look into and I really love, um, is that I have a friend that worked for Apple. He worked at the genius bar, um, as a, uh, in this, in the Apple store. And he told me about one of their core concepts, their core beliefs, um, was that you, you, you operated under the idea of positive intent. And what that means is, is that you assume that people are always trying their best. They're always doing their best. They're always trying to do the best that they can at all times. Um, and when you assume that, um, it changes the way that you interact and think about them. And so, so if you go through every interaction and that's, I mean, honestly, that's what we'd all want. Like, like if somebody is thinking about the things that you do, we will, we would want them to have positive intent, which is to say that they believe that you are acting as best as you can. 
And that's what I would tell to people. Um, that's what I say to people when we talk about some of the old culture wars that that uh, the the church went through. You know, worship music and and um, hymns. Uh, so, you know, some there was like a, a concentrated attack to be like, oh, those old people—they're just dragging their feet. They don't want to change. They don't like good music. They only want to listen to hymns. And and I think that some of that could have been alleviated by instead of just being like, we don't like the old people who don't get with the program, but rather we said, those old people um, believe that they are doing what they should do. They they're holding on to a tradition because that tradition was was part of their salvation. That was part of what they saw, how they saw salvation coming. Um, and so in, instead of like thinking that they're just, um, you know, stick in the muds, feet draggers, um, they, we said, we said, no, no, they, they, they love God and they, they just want to see God praised too, which is what, what everybody else wanted too. It was like both sides wanted to see God praised. There was just some differences in how that was going to happen. But when we assumed or when we, when we made, uh, one side less important, um, and just determined that they were out again, in and out. Um, then we we were able to cast them uh, with aspersions to be like, oh yeah, they're just they're just trying they're they're rabble rousers, they're usurpers, they're they're causing problems. Which is not to say that there aren't some people that do that, but but most of the time, I think we can assume positive intent until proved otherwise. Like, I mean, you can't be, um, naive. Like this is what Jesus says. Jesus says you have to be, um, as innocent as a dove, but you have to be wise as a serpent. Like, like these are, you hold these two things together. You're not to be naive, but you're, but you are, uh, to have this childlikeness about how things can go. Um, this ex- expectation, this hope that children have, but also this wisdom, this, this shrewdness that you're supposed to have, um, and to have both. What happens though, is that, that if we are just naive, if we're just, if we are foolish, then we become fools because we live in the world of what could happen and, and we don't have any wisdom or we get into shrewdness and we become become so shrewd that we we become cynical and and uh, judgmental and and we lose our ability to have things like wonder and joy because everything is always terrible. And so this idea, there's this, so Apple's like, here's our core value, which is crazy to me because I, I worked at many places that I wish that they would like, they would put this fully into their DNA, positive intent. I'm going to assume that you, you tried, you were doing your best and there's a reason why, um, something didn't happen. You made an error, you made a mistake. Maybe you haven't been trained well enough. Maybe you need to be retrained. Maybe you, um, you just were having a bad day and it just happened. Maybe, but, but you weren't, it's not because, uh, of the person, um, that, that it's not because you were, um, just, trying to do bad, um, you made an error, you made a mistake. Um, and, and I think that, um, I, I really think I really, reason why I, I really love it, um, is because I think it just echoes the, the, uh, first Corinthians 13, when it talks about love, it says this, it says, starting verse four, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. 
and and I think that um, that last that last section it protects it always protects it always trusts it always hopes it always perseveres like that is positive intent but taken to a better a better level taken to a holy level to where Paul is saying if you if you want to know how God looks at you go read this and this is what God is love and this is what love means. And and then first John says, if you want to show you know who God is, you will love one another as God has loved you. So one of the things that I think about, um, that I think is so hard, and it's a, I think it's a mature thing in the church that we just haven't figured out yet, is how to to do this well with people, um, that don't fit in that, um, you know, the church just struggles with, with things like, um, identity, uh, sexual identity. Um, it struggles with, um, how do you deal with people who are, um, deciding they're going to, to transition? How do you deal with people who have decided that they, they, they identify and live, um, in the LGBTQ um, community, because for the most part, what church says is that that's a litmus test, and you are out. You're not in. You're out. Um, no pun intended. Um, but you don't. You don't belong. You and and yet, the things that that everyone needs. Um, is is a place to know who God is, and if the place where people learn about who God is and learn about salvation and things like that are saying, "Well, you can't be here. You're out." Um, how will they hear? How will they learn? How will they know? And and I think that it comes back down to like that that question of, well, I don't if I if I go. If I, if I go have, if I go spend time with that person or that family, I don't want them to know, I don't want them to think that I'm accepting them. And I think that's the hard part is like, how do you, how do you live in a relationship? How do you love these people? How do you love people um, who sometimes drastically go a different direction than what you think is truth? How do you love those people? Um without uh, just being wholesaling, uh, accepting of them, of saying like, oh yeah, whatever you want to do. Because I don't, I don't think that is um, the answer either. The answer is not just do whatever you want to do. Everything's fine. Um, just everybody just do anything you want to do. Um, on the other hand, um, what does it look like to to protect, to trust, to hope and persevere with people who are living in a life, in a choice that we would, that, that we believe is taking them away from God. How do we do that well? And I think we don't have, we haven't developed a good enough um, uh, method for this because mostly what we've said in the conservative church, conservative Christian church is, is that if, if someone proclaims that, then you avoid them. You you kick them out. You you um, stay away. 
Um, but, but, I, but how, how do we live out positive intent? How do we live out 1 Corinthians 13 with this idea to say, we need to show love like God loved. And, and in that then, because love always hopes, it always trusts, it always perseveres, is to believe that God is at work in that person and that he's, that he's making them, that that, that person um, can choose, um, I, can, can choose and is choosing is in, in as long, and, and if they continue to seek God, then God will bring them to truth and understanding about who they are. But I think um, we jump to, um, because we jump to the, you're out, like that's the litmus test, like you're in or you're out, you're with us, you're against us, um, that we skip some of the many steps we need to do to go through in order to have a healthy church. And and some of those are church discipline where we say, well, um, we believe that you were living a life that's not aligning with scripture and, and to go and talk to them about that. Um, and if they go, well, I'm just, that's just the way I'm going to live my life. There is some idea of being like saying just, there's some disfellowship, but does that, but, but what does that even mean? I don't think we even really do that well, or even studied that enough to even know what that means. At least I know I haven't, I know it hasn't been lived out in many of the churches that I've been part of other than to be like, Hey, you don't fit with us. You're gone. Um, and, and I think that that struggle um, that we have to face or that we have to live with, um, is how do we live in love people who are, um, trying their best, um, to understand who it is that God has made them to understand who they are, the things that are going inside, going on inside themselves emotionally and physically and, and are confused, um, whether, uh, I mean, how do we, how do we love people without um, glossing over their sinfulness, without accepting it? Like, how do we be like Jesus when Jesus is able to go and live and be and 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 not only is he able to live amongst those that are are highly considered highly sinful, but he brings redemption with him. And I think like. Like to me, that's the that's the thing that we've missed. Um, that we haven't brought redemption with us. We've we've brought separation and condemnation. And and we haven't we haven't brought that redemption that Jesus brings. And and I think some of it goes back to what I said last week. I think that some of it is is that we. Um, we much would rather see people act a certain way and be able to accept their whitewashedness on their tombs than, than to work hard to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives or work hard to help the Holy Spirit do the things it needs to do so that their lives can be changed. Not that we can make people projects, and I don't think we should. But I also, I, I also just think that the idea, just total abandonment, 
that they can come back to church when they've got it right is like pushing the sheep out. Uh, it's like kicking them out um, in hopes that something, that that very act will bring redemption. But I think it's we have to do more. How do we redeem? How do we bring that redemption that is that Jesus talks about, his kingdom that he carries with him, that wherever he goes, he can say, go and sin no more. He can say, your sins are forgiven and people want to be around him. There's a, and how do we do it without shooting the flaming arrows at each other and, and, and um, not having to fear what other Christians are going to think. Oh, you hang out with that person? Oh, I'm. Oh, I don't know if that's wise. Oh, do you do you know what they believe? Do you know what they do? Do you know what they're struggling with? Do you know who they are? Are you in? Are you out? I thought you were one of us. I thought you were uniform. And you go, ah, oh, I want to be in unity. And I want to love all people. And I want all people to come to know the truth and to follow God uh, in truthfulness and to to rid themselves continually of their sins because we all are con are cons consistently being um, re redeemed and discipled and renewed and changed and that's what Jesus is doing in us and 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 and, and I assume or I I want to believe that that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit is doing in other people those who have said that they've called on his name even if they don't always live right that the Holy Spirit is at work in them and that that the Holy Spirit is is calling people to disciple those people so they might know more clearly what it is to follow Jesus. And too many times we fall into the shallowness of you're out because you believe certain things, you're out because you, you, um, you're you an ally, because you, you trust, you love, you love too much, you're too much grace, you're not enough law, you're not enough truth you're you're not enough condemnation so you're not one of us you're outside and and i and it just made me think of the uh close with this kind of story it made me think of um the story that spurgeon tells about george whitfield and john wesley and so for those of you that are not um super deep law <laughs> theologian theological history buffs um Let's suffice it to say that Spurgeon um, and Wesley generally were on different ends of the theological spectrum as far as when it comes to the sovereignty of God. And Whitfield and, and Wesley had a, a falling out, and I don't really know what it was about, but Spurgeon says this. He says that um, he read um, what Whitfield, uh, this journalist asked Whitfield about Wesley, and of course there was this disagreement, and, and so the journalist was like, what? He goes... The journalist, the journalist said to Whitfield, do you think you'll see people like John Wesley in heaven? And Whitfield said, no. Um, and and like he, he thought you could just see like the journalist smile and be like, yeah, they just don't got it right. Um, but but Whitfield said, no, I, I think that um, John Wesley and people like him that love God that way, um, they'll be so much closer to Jesus um, that it'll be hard to see them for people like you and me in the back. 
love covers a multitude of sins. Love never fails. Love always perseveres. It always hopes. It always trusts. I think that we have to figure out as a church, as Christians, how to both meet people where they're at without without demanding life, wholesale life change. Um, some people do. Some people have their life. They, they meet Jesus and their life is totally different from the start. And some people struggle through that. They struggle through the change. They struggle with the demons. They struggle with the, the, the old ways, the old sins, the things that pull them back in. And yet Jesus says, love as I have loved you. And John says, if you want to show that you know who God is, it'll be in the way that you love. This week, maybe you think, maybe you can think a little about that and add some good positive feedback to that conversation. What does it mean to love those people? Even if they don't have it all figured out, even if they aren't even trying like we think they should. As though we can know their struggle, to see them, to know their hearts, to know what they believe, to say they're in or out just by a statement they might make, a word they might say, to know their soul. Instead, may God show us how to love and bring unity as Jesus prayed. It doesn't mean that we are going to accept all behavior or all things or just be like, yeah, there are no rules. There are guidelines. There are, there are guardrails. But even amongst the guardrails, the relationship, the relationship of, of loving people doesn't change. So how do we do that? How do we be like Jesus? How do we be like the son of God when he was here, when he would, when he would say, your sins are forgiven. I do not condemn you. Now go and sin no more. How do we carry that out in our lives, in the things we say, in the ways that we behave and act so that, so that that echoes, that echo that he started, that he began, that, that statement carries on and on and on and on out into eternity through us and through his church. Let's pray about that this week. Let's think about that. Let's live that this week. May God show you, may he show you how that can be done this week.